Welcome to All Texas Football, the Inside Texas post-game show. I'm joined uh, by none other than Rod Babers, uh, the former Longhorn great. Uh, about 20 years ago today, Rod took a, a, a interception back for a touchdown in this game, uh, but he did not have the outcome of that game. The Sooners ended up winning. In this one, it's a little bit different, Rod. Complete wow. and utter domination. The Longhorns win 49 to nothing. Uh, it starts early, even though Texas punted. Uh, the defense held on an early fourth down. Uh, Texas goes down 92 yards and scores a touchdown. Holds again. And Texas scores 21 points in the second quarter to go up 28-0 at halftime. The Horns add three more scores uh, in the second half. Rod, and they hold Oklahoma to just two first downs in the entire second half. Two first downs in the entire second half. Uh, amazing uh, work by the Longhorns. Uh, I'll get to what you think real quick. i got to say thank you to our advertiser, Laura Baker. Uh, the postgame show is brought to you by accomplished Austin Realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can help handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, uh, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Rod, biggest victory in Longhorn series history. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm laughing, honestly, because I'm laughing out of pure joy. And here's why, right? Because, and I said this on the last postgame show we had. I said, Sark has to go back to the scene of the crime. All the negative stuff about Sark and his early tenure here at Texas started at that Texas OU game last year. His inability to adjust in the second half, uh, being up by double digits and collapsing, being up at halftime, up in the fourth quarter. It all started in that game that's been haunting this program ever since. And I said, this is where you got to go exercise the demons. If you ever go to therapy, and I've been. <laughs> they encourage you to go back to where the trauma started, where they try to find out, dig through all the, you know, sift through the detritus, figure out where the trauma started. And it started for Texas, actually not the Arkansas game. It wasn't the Arkansas game. It was the Oklahoma game because that was the biggest collapse in Texas football history after one of the greatest first halves we've ever seen in the Texas OU game by any team. But we also saw the biggest collapse and the biggest comeback by uh, Oklahoma uh, in their history of that Texas OU game. So all of those things came back to hunt Texas. And I do believe that Sark understood the assignment. And even though we knew Oklahoma was wounded, the assignment for him was to exercise those demons, go into that game, and get that that lead that we all knew you were going to get anyway. We knew he was going to get up big. Sark always gets up big. But this time, keep your foot on the throat. And this was cathartic. It was cathartic for me. It was cathartic for a lot of Longhorn fans. It was cathartic for Sark. After the greatest collapse in Texas football history, in the game versus your rival. A year ago. A year ago. He decided, you know what, man? I got to turn it up. I have to leave no doubt. No doubt, exercise those demons. We are done with it now. That to me, that's how you move on from it. Like that's your, that's how you. Like I said, that's therapeutic. That is how you move on from it. I saw a team that was determined to play at a standard, Bobby. They were not going to play, and we just saw this same team two weeks ago play to that competition. We just saw it. But after the after the players only meeting, which we mocked a little. <laughs> 
we mocked it a little bit. Give the guys credit. Give them credit because they figured out. Listen, we can't. They, they figured. I mean, we got to start playing to a standard. We've been talking about this standard, and we just lost to Texas Tech, a team we're better than. Why did we lose? Because we played to the competition rather than a standard. They came into this game. And I'll give them props to West Virginia, too. But in this game, even though Oklahoma was down, they were wounded. We all get that, understand that. But they did not allow that to deter them from playing at a certain standard. God bless them. I mean, it was it was one of the greatest performances we've ever seen from a Texas team in the Texas OU game. Definitely the most complete. I'm going to give you some stats here, Rod, because this can blow your mind. 585 total yards uh, for the Longhorns. For the Sooners, 195. Holy cow. I don't, I don't know where to start, Bobby. I don't know where to start. I mean, my, my you know, rudimentary bath tells me that's almost four football fields worth of difference. That defense, I mean, a good, good guys, I know, and listen, I'm a defensive guy, so I know people are going to, hey, man, Oklahoma had their third-string quarterbacks. They went running wildcat. I get all that. I understand it. But, guys, putting a goose egg on Oklahoma – and I don't care at what point they are in the program. That is a hell of an accomplishment, man. Because I, what did they say? I think they said it's 167 straight games where they've gone with an offensive touchdown. 167. Good. I mean, I don't care what state they're in. And they've been in, they've been up and down before. Putting a goose egg on Oklahoma, man, that's a, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Those guys, all those guys need to put that on their resume. They, they threw everything in the kitchen sink at Texas today, too. They started off and tried the old Joey McGuire, right? The, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Go for it on fourth down. Screw it. Know that you're in a – you got you to go for it on fourth down. They even threw in a fake field goal attempt that was hey, successful. Throwing from the knee. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Hey, oh, threw from the knee. I learned the new rule in college football. I didn't know that. You can throw yeah. – as long as you don't get up from the knee, you can always throw from the knee. There you go. Yes. Only on field goals. Only on – on a, on those sorts of plays, the the thing that interests me, uh, Rod, and one of the things that just cracks me up is I looked this, and I I think everybody was we were going into this looking for every ounce of intel on who the Oklahoma quarterback would be. I mean, we had heard uh, General Booty had had saw some time, Davis Bevel. Uh, then uh, they even had Nick Ewers out there, we thought might be it. But when Dylan Gabriel uh, was the no go. Uh, I think that was the end of any opportunity Oklahoma had uh, to win this game because they weren't going to stay in that game against Quinn Ewers and this Texas offense running the Wildcat. They, no way. That, that wasn't going to happen. Their defense wasn't good enough. Now, they had a decent defense. That's a different discussion. That, their defense was way too vulnerable for them to try to pull that. And they, they made mistakes. I mean, they made uh, – they, they probably could have scored – uh, on the, the drive where they had the pop pass interception. That was a chance for them to put at least some points on the board. And, of course, when they had the fourth down early in the game, late in deep in Texas territory, that was a chance. But, hey, Tavondre Sweat, that D-line, man, grown. They've been playing like that all, all season long. Everybody else is catching up to the D-line. The, the D-line's been playing like this all season long. No surprise I, there with the way they play. Quinn Ewers, I'm going to give some final stats here. Quinn Ewers, 21 of 31, 289. Four touchdowns, one pick. That was really a bad pick, by the way. Um, He's trying to throw it away. I I know, but he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> in the previous pass, in the previous pass, he had he had Jordan Whittington so open, 
One of the things about, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Quinn Ewers' day. Let's do it, man. We got time to talk about a lot of things today because a lot of things went right for the Longhorns uh, on a uh, forty-nine in a forty-nine to nothing win uh, over Oklahoma. Talking with Rod Babers, former Longhorn, uh, currently with the one hundred four and nine. The Horn uh, does the weekday drive time show for them. Uh, but let's talk about Quinn Ewers and yep. his play. Um, Rod, he he throws people open, <laughs> right? Yeah, man. And he doesn't feel like he has to throw a heater on every every pitch. Um, he he'll just lob it in there if he feels like he, that's all he has to do. He'll make it easier for his guys and easier on himself. Um, you know, yeah, he missed one or two throws, but one or two. I He's mean, human. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my goodness, Rod. I mean, what is that? The best? That's definitely. Other than oh, the gritty and tough performance Sam Sam Ellinger put in in 2018 and even 2020 when they came back, uh, Ellinger, this is the best passing uh, show we've seen from a Texas quarterback since Colt McCoy in 2008, no, bar none. Let, let's have a macro discussion really quickly about Quinn Ewers. Okay, so right. you watch a lot of college football, Bobby. I know you do. You watch a lot. Of, you watch a lot of high school football, college football, NFL too, right? Um. How many quarterbacks at the college level have you do you say right now, since you've seen just a little bit of Quinn Ewers, small sample size, a little bit, that you say are straight up that you would take over Quinn Ewers right now? It, how long? Right now? At the right, college, the right, college right level. Right now, now, I would take Bryce Young. Okay. If he was healthy. Okay. But that's also because he's two years older. Yep. What about Stroud? You see Ohio State you like you like CJ. I, I think I think yeah. CJ Stroud right now, right now is better than Quinn Ewers. I was saying right now. Just give me your guys. You got it right now. That's it. <laughs> I mean, there, there are others. So, and, you know and I'm, I'm not saying? trying to be. I, I agree with you, by the way. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I agree. That's how absurd it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude about that. Um, to anybody else. I mean, Caleb Williams is a really good college quarterback. He's, he doesn't have the arm talent. He throws it harder. He doesn't have the arm talent Quinn Ewers has. And he may be a better overall football player, too. You can talk about that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. The as a, is another discussion. As a thrower and with what Sark wants to do, I don't know. Um, geez, uh, that's a great question, Rod. Right? Uh, he – I tell you what, that throw to Jatavian Sand, both touchdowns to Jatavian the Sand. Seam, the seam, the seam run where Jatavian, he has to drop it right over the linebacker's head and then right in between that safety there. Uh, th- there's a reason, Bobby, they didn't, they didn't run those routes and they didn't even have that seam route combination when Hudson Carr was in there. And nothing against Hudson because Hudson, by the way, can start for, I don't know, 60, 70% of FBS schools right now. He's he really was. He's 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 proven to be really good. But that's a that's an NFL throw. Like that's a to drop that in that bucket with the right touch and the right feel. That's an NFL throw. And I'm telling you, man, he's he makes some throws where I I, I had to pose that question to myself. Like, okay, so how many guys would I take ahead of him? And I'm with you. I took, I think I said, you know what? I think I got three or four. But I'm being real nitpicky, and most of it is about his experience. I'm like, well, he's only played 10 quarters of football so <laughs> yeah well i mean sean clifford the guy at penn state has a four four-year starter he's got more experience if you're talking about one yeah, game and exactly. their specific offense even though the, he throws a lot of picks 
there, there's I'm, you're just talking about for what Steve Sarkeesian does for this year. I mean, there's not many. I can't. Those guys are all gone next year. I think. <laughs> I mean, so who would you pick? Over? None. You know. I mean, I, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. I I think it's I I when he when he is out there, he there are throws that he can make, and he's almost the perfect quarterback for a Steve Sarkeesian offense. And I'm talking about the quarterback we've seen the Tua's and the, you know, I mean, the Mac Jones, Jones uh, his offenses. I don't, I'm telling you, for he, you, you can tell that Sark, he's giddy when he gets in there. He throws it on running downs when Quinn's in there. He's like, nah, I'm throwing it. I just, I want to see, I want to see what he can do because I believe at Quinn is his muse. I, I think he opens Sark up artistically. As a as a play designer and a play caller, because he knows there's really no route combination <laughs> that's off the table <laughs> when I got this guy a quarterback. I can I can throw together any absurd route combination and he might be able to get the ball there. That's the deal. That's what I'm saying. That's that's not the every offensive coordinator can't do that, guys around the country. That's you, you your your offense is limited by your quarterback skill set and his arm talent. With this guy, you ain't you're 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 unlimited. He is Mr. Unlimited, not Russell Wilson. Take that nickname from Russell Wilson and give it to this guy. He's Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh unbelievable performance all around today. There are some throws, a couple throws he wanted back. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's young. I I'm I'm just I was I was impressed by the the scramble too. Uh the for the first yard. down. They needed yeah. to move the they mo- needed to move the chains. They were in off coverage. They were playing the sticks, and he gave it to you. Yep, that, I know. But but he took it, and yep. you know what? He didn't go. He went forward because he knew he had to make a certain amount of yards. A lot of guys would have pulled up and tried to to, to slide into that. He went forward. Uh, clearly, he wouldn't have done that. I don't think if his shoulder was really still bothering him a bunch. Right. That's a great point, Bobby. Yeah. That's a great point. You're right about that. Yeah. Um. All right, Quinn Ewers, outstanding day. Another guy, and in Rod, you and I talked about this, uh, and you and I know this. This game is so often decided by what team wins the trenches. Uh, who is able to run the ball and who's not? Yep. And Steve Sarkeesian, even though Quinn Ewers was hot, I mean, at one point I think he was 9 of 10 for a touchdown. I mean, he was hot he uh, early. Maybe he had that one almost pick early. But – uh, Steve Sarkeesian stayed committed to the run throughout this game. Uh, yeah. He did not just he did not just uh, you know throw caution to the wind and stop running the football. Uh, the Sooners got a heavy dose of Bijan, a heavy dose of Roshan Johnson. Uh, there was a play, uh, a couple of different runs that that, that Roshan uh, and Bijan made. But I tell you one that maybe the best play of the game for Bijan Johnson or Bijan Robinson was that reception where Ewers rolled left and literally threw it over the linebacker's head out. I don't I even know that. how he made that throw. Yeah. And I certainly don't know how Bijan Robinson <laughs> spun in midair and made the catch, even though he bobbled the ball while up there. I mean, yeah. I mean, what yep. do you, I mean, it was just impressive. Uh, Robinson, as you can see, the stats finishes with 22 carries for 130 yards. Roshan nine for 57 uh, even Jonathan Brooks gets on on the action. So does uh, Keelan Robinson. I, you know, a Rod question for you as you look at what Texas has done in the run game. How important do you? I mean, almost 300 yards rushing. Yeah, 
No, no, we know the the last 25 games, right, uh, of Texas OU, the winner of the rushing battle was 22-2. and two. I think that was one year they actually were tied or something like that. But the winner of the rushing battle, 22-2, and two, it, it, you control the line of scrimmage. You can control that game because the, the momentum shifts in that game. It's a real quick story. I'm not trying to throw my stuff out there, but you talked about my interception in that 2002 game, and it was 14-3 after my pick six. And I was thinking to myself, Bobby, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the big reason Texas beats Oklahoma in my senior year. And I'm going home and we're going to party. All right. Uh, but then the very next play, Oklahoma returns the kickoff inside deep in our territory. And then they score a touchdown right before halftime. All of that momentum nullified. Right. All of it is off the board because the momentum shifts are so drastic in that game. But when you control the line of scrimmage, you can control the momentum shifts. Like they're not so drastic. No, I control the line of scrimmage. All right. I, I actually can control the, the, the momentum. I can control the game. I can control all that. So I think for Texas, give the offensive line credit. They really control the line of scrimmage. Defensive line, I'm not surprised. They've been doing that all season long. The offensive line, though, in this game, that was one of the ways maybe that you know Oklahoma could have found a an edge or an advantage because Texas offensive line is young, all right, and, and a little bit inconsistent, especially in the running game. That was not the case here. And I think Sark gave them enough cheat codes, enough pre-snap motion, enough shifts, uh, enough different random alignments, bunch condensed formations to really throw off that Oklahoma defense to help out their running game. Yeah, I, I thought that he got them just enough. Yep. There, there were not a lot of negative one, negative two plays. There were exactly. a whole bunch of plus two, plus three, plus four. Uh, one of the big plays of the game early, uh, uh, Quinn Ewers almost threw that pick. And so it made it second and 10. Yeah. They they hurry up to the line and run Bijan off left tackle for nine yards. Put some Bijan on it. Yeah. It put him in a third and one instead of a third and medium or third and long. And, of course, the Longhorns convert, run down the field, score, go up. Uh, and that the, the route was uh, – the beginning of the route was on. Let's talk a little bit about the receivers and the tight end play. Okay. Um. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Rod, uh, Xavier Worthy catches the touchdown. Jordan Whittington in that middle, <laughs> that middle part of the defense, that kind of undercushion. It's part. unfair. It's unfair. I'm not going to joke. I, I think it's unfair. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm as a defensive guy. I, I look at Texas offense sometimes. I think, okay, I got to keep. I got to keep a somebody over the top or a double X man because he's just that much of a threat. And now you're telling me JT Sanders deserves. Way more than the linebacker on him. I got to put a DB on this guy. And I may have to make sure you keep, you know, a DB on him over the top and a linebacker underneath. And then now you're telling me Jay Witt can always consistently beat man-to-man coverage. I mean, you're, you're dealing with an incalculable mathematical equation as a defensive coordinator here. And by the way, I didn't even mention Bijan. I didn't even mention trying to stop the running game for Texas. Guys, that this is why this is what we envision for this Texas offense. This is the mathematics. And we ain't talked about Isaiah Nayor who was hurt. Think about it. He was out there. You're talking about so many different lethal threats 
you can't defend all of them on every down. You have to hope the quarterback makes the wrong decision or that basically you had the perfect call on the perfect play. And that's why I think a lot of it is going to come down to, I would, if I was a defense coordinator, I'm, I, I got to put some pressure on Quinn Ewers. I could, I got I cannot allow that guy to have time to sit back there. That dude, you, you are basically opening yourself up to get eviscerated via the passing game, giving him any time because the Texas receivers are so effective. Oh, I think you're right. I think, I think you're hundred percent right. And I think that you're going to not see teams let Quinn Ewers pick him apart. Exactly. Uh, you, you, that's, that's not happening. Um, it's not going to happen anymore. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, what comes. Interesting. Jaleel Billingsley mentioned there, he comes back next week. Wow. Uh, the uh, transfer from Alabama. Exactly. Uh, we'll see though. Gunnar Helm has done a great job of blocking uh, yep. and see, see exactly how you, they use that 12 personnel. Hey, hey Bobby, can I bring something up though that I think is awesome that I give, got to give Sark a lot of credit for. I'm sorry to interrupt you though. That's okay. Go for it. Keelan Robinson as a receiver. Can we <laughs> remember last year he was only a running threat? He was he was basically DJ Monroe last year. You want to look at talent development? He was DJ Monroe last year. Now this guy's catching passes downfield in the passing game. They're not deep passes or anything, but at least the teams they when they game plan when Keelan Robinson is game, I guarantee you they told the linebackers he's not a he's not a receiving threat downfield. And how many touchdowns does he have downfield now receiving? At least two, I think. Yeah, got another one today. Had one against West Virginia. Kind of walked in. Um, That's uh, kind of development. Or no, Texas Tech. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I think you, you look at the offensive uh, – you know, let's talk about the offensive line, Rod. Okay. I mean, did did Quinn get sacked today? I don't remember one. Oh, it's a great question. I, I, know, I, it, I don't recall a single sack. I recall – he only got popped a couple times. I think you're right. right. They kept that pocket clean. It's not like OU has any great pass rushers, though. So I don't want to. I don't want to go over the fact, but they did open up holes. They did give Quinn Ewers a bunch of time uh, to make it. Uh, and I, I'll tell you one thing: I saw a third and one play, and I haven't wa- rewatched the game obviously yet. We're live here. Uh, Matt, our producer, says zero sacks for OU oh, uh, according to the stat Matt. book. Um, but Rod. There was a third and one uh, early in the uh, uh, second quarter, uh, and Roshan Johnson ran for eight right up the middle. Um, right up the middle. I was like, whoa, what happened? So I rewound that and watched it. And Rod, Kelvin Banks, I think he concussed the middle linebacker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I, 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 you know, on a, I'm on a, 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 a text thread with the other guy. Inside yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't I take that lightly. You know, you guys, if you if you're DVRing this right now, you need to turn that back because Texas ended up going down and scoring on the possession. Okay, so you need to go back during timeout here and rewatch Kelvin Banks because I think he may have number twenty eight uh, for OU made like the first three tackles of the game. Texas went three and out, and uh, the, the twenty eight was the guy. And when I tell wow. you that he popped him, the twenty eight's head just went like that. I mean, it was one of those where you you've Ooh. been there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, I, I already know that pop. Oh no, that's 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 like okay. That's that's a that's it's rattling around a little bit. And he was he was rowdy early on too. Remember he got into a little yeah. I I always tell I always tell young guys, Bobby, understand the rules of engagement. Okay, there was a, there was a play way back in the day when Texas got blown out in one of those games with Matt Brown, and it was like a Carrington Bynum play where he breaks up a play in the end zone or has a great 
uh, defensive coverage play. And then he tries to help up Kenny Stills. He extended Longhorn fans will remember this play. He extends his hand to help him up. And Kenny Stills slaps his hands away, like, dude, don't give me don't, don't help me up. You're my enemy today. All right. Like, understand the rules of engagement. <laughs> and I think Kelvin Banks understood like, no, no, this is this is constant conflict. This is a fight. All right. All every down, every play. And I love Kelvin Banks' attitude. And I've been told by offensive linemen that Kelvin Banks actually doesn't even know what he's doing. But he's so naturally gifted that, I mean, he basically had been up being a first round pick when the coaching and the technique actually combines with the natural gifts that he's going to be a first round pick. Like that's, they told me that after the Bama game, people were like, no, 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 he's that dude's legit. He's, there's no doubt he's already on that trajectory. So think about that, Bobby. So if Kevin Banks is a first round pick, you're talking about a true freshman starting the whole line that actually stonewall Will Anderson at times versus Bama. And we're talking about Quinn Ewers and his unbelievable arm talent. Just said, how many quarterbacks would you choose over him? Not many. That's two. Bijan Robinson, man, he's going to be, he, if he ain't the first running back taken, I'd be, I'm flabbergasted. And I don't use that word a lot as a black man. And Xavier Worthy, right? Where's Xavier Worthy? Gonna I don't even know what that meant, but go for it. <laughs> right, no, but where's Xavier end up right, drafting? I think he's kind of a first-round talent, at least one of the top five receivers. So you're talking about three, right, to four first-round talents on this offense right now? That's getting back to where Texas was when I played. We were where's, there. Where, where's Jatavian Sanders? Hey, oh, that's a great question. Great point. What's the, what's the value of the tight end position? Those other guys are playing premium positions, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, left tackle. Tight end is one of those weird positions. But Jatavian Sanders, um, right now, man, he's that guy's looking. At there. I don't know if there's anything he can't do at tight end. Like, tell me what he's, uh, what he's, what, what's his limit at tight end? That, that's a better way. He, he's still got some, some grooming to do, right? Uh, he, he's only been playing it for a year or two. He's got to work on his, his ability as a blocker. But as a receiver, that's typically where those guys get drafted highly. If you yep. can just be an AOK blocker, um, you know, and be a great receiver. Um, and great I tell point. you what, he, uh, he has the look. He has the look, maybe not today, but he has the look of a top three to five uh, tight end in the country. That's a good point. Uh, when it comes. And then you also add in someone like Jordan Whittington, who has a lot oh. of experience, uh, is a hard worker, clearly well, well well put together and has worked hard uh, and has had tremendous hands this year, by the way. Um, Shout out to him for that. Um, And you get a 49 point blowout. That's, that's, that's the recipe, right? You get a offensive style coach that gets his toys and puts them out on the field in a rivalry game. And you ended up with 49 points. And Oh, by the way, you missed a field goal that could have made it 52. Seriously. Oh, by the way, you threw a you threw an interception yep. when you were in the red zone. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's potentially you know ten points. You know, and you're scoring. I mean, Brent Venables isn't used to that. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I I'm telling you, Bobby. I I think teams are just going to start playing keep away with Texas. I if I was a head coach, I tell you right now, it's like, listen, we playing keep away. Uh, we gonna we gonna be ball control. We to, that's why going for it on fourth down against Texas is key. You need to. You need to keep your drives alive to keep that offense off the field. <laughs> like that's how jo- the Joey McGuire recipe is actually how you beat Texas with complimentary football. You want long, sustained drives because you only want Quinn yours and 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 Sark to only have six, 
to seven offensive drives. You give them more than that, that they they got too much of a margin for error, man. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why if you don't get that pick, like that that pick that they could have had, that would have been huge. They got it. You got to get like those few those few mistakes that Texas is making on offense. You better capitalize. You better because if you don't, man, you're SOL. They got too many threats. It's too, there are too many problems to try to solve on one down, which is why I would just blitz. I would come, like, according to Texas, I would just come after them. Like, man, we're coming after them. I'm not going to allow you to sit back there and see, oh, is it X-Man or Jordan Whittington or JT Sanders? Oh, we released Bijan into the passing route. I'm not going to let that happen. No, I'm coming after you, dude. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming after you. Oh, so I want a programming note right now. Um, uh, this is the On Texas Football Inside Texas postgame show. I'm with Rod Babers, uh, along with uh, 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 I'm waiting to hear from Tommy Yerish. Tommy oh. has texted me. He's at the Cotton Bowl, and he says nobody can get through on their phones right now. <laughs> so everybody without internet. So yeah. he, he will get to us. Hey, Bobby, we own the city tonight. Texas owns Dallas, baby. It's our city tonight. We own it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Rod, big win. Uh, Horns go forty-nine to nothing. Part of that is the defense as well. I, we know we we we, we watch that. I, I have I have a hard time believing that OU threw in the towel on offense like they did. Wasn't that what that looked like to you? I mean, they're down twenty-eight to nothing, and they're running wildcat. Now, maybe they would have got it down to 28-7 to seven if they wouldn't have thrown the pop pass that was intercepted. Nice heads-up play by Jade Barron, by the way. Um, Great play. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. You have to run that when you're down, you know, 14 seven. to nothing at most. Yeah. That can't be your primary when you're 21, 28, or 35 to nothing. That that to me is coaching malpractice on OU's part to even think that that's something they can do. Uh, at that point, you need to think, oh well, if I'm not going to have D- Dylan Gabriel this week, and he may get injured in the future, you got to get your other guy in there at quarterback because you're not going to beat anybody running exclusively the, the the Wildcat, and you weren't definitely beating uh, Texas today with it. No, no, no. I agree with you 100%. So I, what I'll go with, your theory is rounding the money. What if, what if that's, it was, what if the Argo principle of pride, right? The Argo principle, I would say that the, the Argo movie, they always say that it's the best bad idea you got. And that was the best bad idea. Basically that Belleville and Booty and what's his name? Evers, that they couldn't threaten Texas in a, in a predictable passing situation. They were just that inept. Because I'm with you. I'm thinking once you get down three, four touchdowns, you got to open it up. We're just going to throw it. Right? We're we chunking it. High percentage passing game. We're not going to the wildcat or anything like that. And So maybe that was the best bad idea that they actually had. And, and maybe we're now, and, and stick with me here, Bobby, because think about it, Oklahoma, the last quarterback to miss, a starting quarterback to miss time for them with an injury was Trevor Knight in 2014, I believe. That's They've, they've had incredible quarterback luck over the last 10, 12 years. Here, I believe since 2010, they've had their starting quarterback actually end up starting 96% of their games. They've been really lucky, but Texas hasn't. So I'll throw this out there. Texas now has a first-world problem at quarterback. 
We got a great backup that can start for most teams in college football. And also Quinn Ewers is a guy that's got a first round upside in talent as a quarterback. So for the first time in a long time, and maybe not in a long time, because Texas actually has been pretty good. Think about Sam Ellinger and now Shane Bouchelle. For the last few years, Texas has been in a really good position at quarterback, even giving Tom Herman some props. I guess we got to do that. So we're we're in a first world position, and most programs, AM, Oklahoma, they're in a third world position when it comes to quarterback. I, well, I'm looking at it right now, uh, and 39 yards passing. That's crazy. I mean, I, I don't, I'm Matt, Matt, our producer is not a statistician by what? trade, uh, but I don't know when the last time Texas played anyone and held them to 39 yards passing. I mean, maybe, maybe Nebraska back when they ran the option. I mean, <laughs> maybe, I mean, right. I mean, when's the last time Texas held a team to 39 yards total passing? When Noble uh, Doss was playing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say this too, Rod. You mentioned, you know, Quinn Ewers and, and Hudson Card. Malik Murphy's down there on, on the bench getting getting uh getting ready to for next year as a backup cool. potentially. Arch Manning's in Arch Manning's on his way, number right. one quarterback in the country. Uh tell you what, if this is what Steve Sarkeesian's offense looks like, um, when he has the, the pieces to put together. There's going to be a lot of good football uh, being played by the Longhorns, and it's going to put that defense that we went back that we talked about mm. uh, back in a position to where they are uh, they can actually take some risks and dictate some things as opposed to having to play read and react a little bit. And you know what? Let's let's have a conversation about the defense really quickly, man, because we got to give Bo Davis some credit. I remember when Steve Sarkeesian at Big Twelve Media Days, he was saying, you know, man, Bo Davis the best D line coach in in all college football and i remember Kendrick coburn he was jokingly he was saying you know guys we we look really good in the offseason and he also stopped himself he said i know i've said this before but i'm telling you this time i mean it we look really good and man i gotta tell you i, I didn't believe the hype at the time but this defensive front for texas and specifically in the I mean, we thought last year this is what we were going to see we thought the interior defensive front would be the, the strength of the defense. We said, oh, man, they're going to be deep, and they're going to be a, a, a got a lot of guys. They can rotate through. They're going to be fresh. This is going to be the strength of the team. And we didn't see it last year. But this year, guys, whether it's Tavondre Sweat or Keandre Coburn or whether you're talking about Byron Murphy throwing in there or Moro Ojimo, dude, they are actually deep in that interior D-line. And, you know, there's a great I, I know this year I know in this game I don't know how it applies I haven't looked at it but going into this game in four of the five matchups Texas had so far this season they uh held their opponents to less than one yard before contact per rush you know what I mean like basically you you didn't give a yard before somebody was on you like it was one D lineman that, that had penetrated and had beat his guy guys beating their one winning their one-on-ones right beating their man and you're seeing more and more of that. That that fourth down where Tavondre Sweat ends up making the play, beating this guy, he was the guy. Everybody else had been pretty much sealed off. If he don't win his one-on-ones, Oklahoma probably put some points on the board. They don't win, but they at least put points on the board. Dude, I'm telling this defensive front, I, right now I'm hearing that all these guys are getting some NFL scouting love now. Tavondre Sweat, 
that you know they hey TJ Coburn's getting some scout NFL scouting love now. That more Ojimos being looked at. Like all of these guys now are getting love because they're being very productive and they're penetrating, they're resetting the line of scrimmage constantly. So we got to get some props to that defense part because that's where it started, right in the interior, right in the guts of the text. They don't get a lot of stats. I know that, but dude, that's where it starts because Texas is constantly winning their one-on-ones right in the, 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 right at the point of attack, if you will. Texas finishes with two total sacks. Um, look, look at that. Uh, Anthony Cook and Diamante Tucker Dorsey combined on one. Keandre Coburn and true freshman Justice Finkley combined on another. Uh, they went high low on uh, uh, Davis Bevel uh, there. I think it was in the, the fourth quarter. Uh, Look at the looking at the tackle total. Oh, uh, you may be surprised Texas once or twice when they came out with the uh, wildcat yeah. look, and yeah. then also when they went to they 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 got the edge on Texas a couple times relatively early, and then Texas made an adjustment and shut the outside run game for the, for the Sooners down and forced them back into the interior. Uh, I thought Ovio Gofu played a good game. I know it shows him only with uh, three tackles, but he played so much better. Uh, this this year than a year ago. Yep. In this very same game, he was picked on last year uh, entirely. So That's add good. him to your list of guys, Rod, that you think played well and and started to to pick up the the pieces a little bit. I think that uh, in and of itself tells us a lot. Uh, we look at uh, this list. Uh, not only did Jaday Barron have a interception, I thought Deshaun Jameson made a hell of a pick at, mm-hmm. to end up in the half. You knew that play was coming. Yeah. That's good and, yeah. You know, they weren't going to go down 28 to nothing and not at least throw it deep. Yep. You knew, right. you knew that play was coming, and Deshaun Jameson was ready for it. Um, that's that's what you need out of your seniors. Uh, you're, you're mentioning all those defensive linemen, by the way, almost all of them seniors. That's something Great that point. Texas is going to have to uh, have addressed in the portal. Uh, Tavondre Sweat, Moro Jomo, Keandre Coburn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all seniors. That's a great uh, so, point, Bobby. Yeah, so uh, be 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 prepared for that because even though Byron Murphy's back, Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins, those guys are going to be back. Sweat right now is playing like a man possessed at times, uh, and Coburn is playing like he wants to make money on Sunday. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, they playing like they want to play on Sundays now, and I totally appreciate. It. And going back to and this is, and I'll make this point because this is something I've talked about a ton. And I want to make sure I give this staff credit for it because I've criticized them a lot. I criticized a multiple staffs for it. Talent development. Seeing guys actually get better. Listen, we, we can't quantify what guys are doing in the offseason. We don't know how hard they're working. That's just something we don't really know. All right. All we can quantify is, hey, man, I saw the guy last year and I saw the guy this year. Is he better? Are you getting better game to game? And I'm telling you, Bobby, at multiple positions, I can point out talent development. I, can, I just point out Keenan Robinson. Hell, he couldn't catch a ball last year. Now he's catching balls downfield for touchdowns, right? Uh, we talk about the defensive line. Same guys, got Same guys, by the way, last year that were a liability on that defensive line. And now they're one of the they're, – they're, they're, going into this Texas OU game, they were second in pressures behind – I think they were second by pro football focus in the power five. They were second in pressures in the power five. And last year they were 108 in pressure rate as a defensive front. Right. I mean, so there is talent development happening. Deshaun, Deshaun Jameson had last year regressed. And now we're seeing Deshaun Jameson with consistent coverage integrity. I was seeing guys get better. Jaron Thompson was a terrible run defender last year. Great coverage defender, terrible run defender. Now you see him running the alley. 
right? And being able to make stops in the run game. So, guys, the biggest issue that has plagued Texas for the last 10 years, honestly, has been talent development. You've been getting talent, all right? That's why the NFL looks at Texas as a bargain a bargain bin of undrafted free agents that they can, they can pilfer through because they're like, oh, man, that's talent there. Texas just they don't know how to develop that talent. I am seeing guys get better, get better week to week, but also from last year, what we saw, same guys now becoming impact players. That's what it's about. That's what the that's what the best schools in the country are doing. You gotta you gotta develop the talent that you get. Texas is doing that right now. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with uh, Rod Babers, former Longhorn defensive back, uh, former NFL player, current host of uh, uh, the Drive Time Show on the Horn in Austin. Uh, Rod, uh, Texas uh, defeats. Uh, Oklahoma 49 to nothing, the largest margin of victory for the Longhorns in this rivalry wow. in history. Um, when I, I wrote an article for Inside Texas today and I said, you know, let it let it go. Let, I mean, it's time. And I, I really cannot believe uh, that the Longhorns not only got on top. Uh, this has been the. The question is, can Texas put keep their foot on the throat? They did that today. Yes, they did. That's that's been one of those things. They didn't stop on offense or defense. Uh, I mentioned the twenty-one points in the second half because they went up 20, 28 to nothing. Scored twenty-one in the second half, but Rod, they only allowed two first downs in the entire second half. <laughs> if you're that the OU side of the Cotton Bowl was empty in, in the middle of the third quarter. It was Crazy. over. Yeah, I mean that game was over. Uh, Matt, uh, our, our producer, please do me a favor and put up the, uh, stats, uh, for Texas. I want to recap them for people just joining us, uh, and, uh, get them a, a chance to ask, uh, or, uh, uh, doing this, but long story short, uh, the Longhorns, uh, absolutely annihilate, destroy, etc. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners 49 to nothing, uh, Ben, uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, 130 yards, but the real story was Quinn Ewers. And for that, I want to bring in our guy from from uh, the Cotton Bowl himself, Tommy Irish is in. Tommy, <laughs> I, I'm glad you were able to get an internet connection. How are you doing, bud? Uh, hey, hey I, I don't know how confident we are in this internet connection, so I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet with you guys. Um, yeah, Bobby, like you mentioned, this game was all about Quinn Ewers coming into it, and it was all about Quinn Ewers coming out of it. You see the stat line there, 289 yards and four touchdowns. That's the first time I'm seeing it. I thought he had more. I thought he was 300-plus. That's how he was. What really stood out to me about Quinn was some of the throws that he made were at a really awkward angle. He kind of had to sidearm it a little bit, and he was still able to fit it into those tight, uh, tight areas, and that's something that he presented uh, during his time at Southlake. Carroll coach Riley Dodge did a lot of that with him. And you saw it over the summer with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Sam Ellinger. Mahomes obviously known for that sidearm pass and uh, continuing to do it really well at, the, at a high level in the NFL. You were showing it off a little bit, and he was incredibly impressive. And then uh, on the receiving end, I think Jordan Whittington had the game that everybody expected him to have. Uh, I saw earlier on the week and during the live stream, uh, Bobby, that you guys were throwing around he was the X factor coming into this game, the guy that needed to be the player of the game. And I think on the receiving end, he certainly was. Yeah, him and JT Sanders, along with Xavier Worthy, the threat of him deep, uh, is giving some people real problems right now. That's just that's the reality of it. Tommy, I, I know uh, I texted with you. You wanted to talk about what you thought the biggest factor was on the defensive side of the ball. 
as well. Yeah, defensive side of the ball, it was all D-line. Uh, that was the best game that they have played all season, uh, without a doubt. Really love what I saw from Keandre Coburn to Andre Sweat. Even Alfred Collins when he came in for a couple of plays. Uh, just really impressive stuff along the line of scrimmage. You can tell that Davis Bevel just wasn't going to be able to get it done through the air. So that's why we saw so many of those wildcat packages for Oklahoma. And the first series that they rolled that out, they got a couple of good games. And I you know, thought to myself, okay, you know, the Sooners really could find some stride here offensively. But then after that, uh, they were just doing a really good job up front, shutting it down. How about Byron Murphy, too? Uh, came in there towards the end a little bit. Uh, the DeSoto product who had an impressive season last year. He, he had a good game tonight uh, as well. Really high on him. Uh, just a strong physical presence up front. He does such a good job of being able to beat two guys if they're kind of double teaming him and get in the backfield. I think he had a sack as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, all of the defensive line, though, just really stood out to me. And then Dropping it back one level in the linebacker core. I thought Jalen Ford and DeMarvion Overshone had really good games, protecting the outside, uh, running to the edges a little bit, and those safeties uh, stepped up. Jaron Thompson had a nice game as well. Anthony Cook made a few nice plays. All around, just a good defensive effort, and what they really needed was a consistent defensive effort to hold the Sooners scoreless in the second half. That's what we saw, and that's why Texas wins this game in the largest margin in Red River history, I believe. Yeah. Hey, Tommy, I have to ask you, because me and Rod – we were not there. We were watching from our, our couches because we have to do this post-game show and want to make, make sure we were able to do that. You were there for us. Describe the atmosphere of Red River, what it was like, and when did the OU fans start to head out to the fair and, and get in the car going back to, on I-35 north to Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Well, I mean, the atmosphere was just amazing. Um, you know, they were loud the entire time, and Texas was, you know, I, I say unbiasedly that Texas was by far the louder side in this game from start to finish. Um, they were really excited to be there, traveled really. There wasn't an empty seat. We were all bunched together in the student section, kind of pushing and shoving uh, for spots. And up from Baylor, and he said, there's a bad atmosphere. The post-game, uh, nobody left their seats in that on the Texas side of the field. They were all hanging around, uh, singing Texas fight at the end, and uh, the eyes of Texas as well uh, to celebrate the Golden Hat. Steve Sarkeesian had Sark chants ringing out for him uh, as he was bringing the trophy over, and players were hopping into the stands, and they had their arms around students. Everybody just had a, a dandy old time out front there. And then as far as the Oklahoma fans, they left pretty early. They started to head towards the exit, I think, around – you know, the 10-minute mark – no, not the 10-minute mark, excuse me. Uh, the latter half of that third quarter, maybe minute and a half, uh, and then it really started flowing up uh, at the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. So by the time the stadium uh, – by the time the game ended, the stadium on the left side of the field was, was fairly empty. Tried to get some tweets out about it, but like I said, uh, internet very hard to come by here at the Cotton Bowl. All right, Tommy Yarish, thank you for joining us. Uh, you've been terrific addition to the Inside Texas staff this year, Tommy. Uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you again soon, okay, bud? Thanks, Tommy. All right. Hey, Rod, how good is that to hear Sark chants coming from the Texas crowd? It is, and I, I talked about this last week. You know, I talk to fans. I, I get a chance to. We go a lot of remotes for the shows. I get a chance to talk to Longhorn fans, best part of the job. And they like Sark. They are they they want Sark to work. They like Sark. They like it. I think what helps this is they like his offense. 
he his offense is sexy and it's fun to watch. Right. It's fun. He's a big game hunter. He likes big plays. People didn't like Tom Herman's offense. They definitely didn't like whatever Charlie Strong was throwing out there offensively. Right? <laughs> People want to see offense. They want it to look sexy. And also that helps you recruit. You know, A&M's going to have a hell of a time recruiting offensive players. if They don't change. All, they'll get offensive coordinator pretty soon. Right. It's just a reality. of these. Nick Saban said it years ago. He said, I'm having a hard time trying to convince the best players in the world to play offense. Trevon Diggs cried when Nick Saban tried to convince him to play offense. And now he's an all pro thanks to Nick Saban, right? Everybody wants to play offense. Offense is what goes. It's fantasy football. And Sark's offense, I think, really does help him um, in terms of how appealing he is to Longhorn fans. But I also say this too. If he can, this is not a signature win. I was, I said it's a statement win. Statement win. It can be a signature win over a, a an opponent who may end up being one of the worst teams in the Big 12. So let's, let's hold off on the signature win thing just now, but it's a great statement win. And I think it, and I, I, I'm char- I, I was chanting Sark too at one point. I think everybody <laughs> would be chanting, chanting Sark. But it, and I'll say this too, because I, I, you know, I, I threw this out there earlier today when we were just talking about it on the pregame show. You know, for Texas, you know, the, the best thing about this game to me as a Longhorn fan, we know Oklahoma was wounded. We know backup quarterbacks. They were just, you know, throwing blank at the wall and seeing if it sticks. That's cool. But for Texas to steal goose egg Oklahoma, which hadn't happened in, what, 167 games? And for that offense to put 49 on them, you say it's the biggest margin of victory ever in the, in the Texas OU game? That's playing to a standard. That's a standard. You, you, didn't, you didn't play to the competition. Yeah, you could just beat them. Say, no, no, no. We're playing. And Sark, this is a Sarkism. Let's get the Sarkisms going, baby. We remember the Mackisms. Let's get the Sarkisms. Our brand of football. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. That's a, that was an R, that was a Texas brand of football win. They were playing their brand of football. If they played that brand of football for the rest of the season, there's a good chance they could see themselves playing for the Big 12 championship. I, I tell you what, I, I, I completely agree. And I think that if you really look at it right now, Rod, Texas is playing better on offense and they're playing on defense. The defense is coming along. Yes, it you know is. what I mean? And so uh, it's it, it, it doesn't have the star power that the offense has. We've talked about this, right? So they have to get – their chemistry matters almost even more, right? Because they have to rely on one another to make plays. Um, and, and I feel like that's a, that's a reality. I do want to take this time and say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, uh, the post game shot show is brought to you by accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker, Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. If you're moving to Austin or moving within the city limits, uh, or in the surrounding areas, I'm sure she works on, uh, stuff like ranches and uh, everything else anywhere near Austin. Uh, she can be your person. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Contact her at Laura at AndyAllenTeam.com. 
uh, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I want to. I'm talking here with uh, Rod Babers. We're on the Inside Texas on Texas Football post game show. I want to bring in a guy that told us this week. Uh, he told us this week, Rod, that start Quinn Ewers. Don't even think about it. Uh, this isn't a decision. Go with Quinn Ewers and wait and see what happens next. Uh, he's just the guy. So, Jerry Hamilton, take the, take the mic and take a bow because I agree. In retrospect, I 100% agree. I wasn't 100% sure you were right at the time. Uh, <laughs> at uh, officially 3.07, OU still sucks, and I'm sure yeah. Jerry was right. So, uh, Jerry, what, what – Well, what I, missed I, I, missed all my Alfred, I missed all my Alfred – I missed on my Alfred Collins player of the game. Okay, I did miss on that. To be fair, I just, I just, Rod. I said last Friday. I said I refuse to believe somebody as talented as Alfred Collins is not going to have a bigger impact in games before. He's the most talented guy on the defensive line. Yeah, and I'm thinking he's going to have his moments, but and maybe that happens. But on Quinn, look, he looks like the first quarter Alabama game, and then today, save a throw that slipped out of his hand. He looks like the same guy I saw when he was a sophomore at Southlake. When I went in there for a Thursday walkthrough practice and the ball didn't hit the ground for an hour and a half and everything is in a catch radius right in here and here and here. And it's just the ability to change ball speeds he has. It's how calm he is in the pocket. You know, I thought the biggest thing entering the season, Rod, for Quinn was having a short memory. And he continues to have a short memory. And that's why he's going to be an NFL quarterback. I mean, the ball slips out of his hands, interception. He almost had a couple of balls intercepted early in the game, right? Uh, one that Xavier Worthy pretty much dropped, right? But, uh, you know, Quinn's just got the – he's just got a rare ability. Yes, he's got a Jeff George type of arm. We know that. But he, he just has the ability to layer a football. The throws mm -hmm. to Jatavion Sanders today were just – that's first-round pick stuff. I mean, that's I don't know any other way to say it. And I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick. There's a lot of football to be played. But those are first-round pick throws. Those are throws Matthew Stafford made at Georgia. I, I, I've got to say this, Jerry, and I want, I want Rod's feedback on this because Rod's a DB. He's, he's played against it, right? What do you do when – Sark clearly schemed Jordan Whittington open in the middle half of the defense multiple yep. times. I mean, not open – Wide, wide open. Right. <laughs> wide. So, one of the things I love about what I saw from yours is he didn't try to overthrow it. No. Uh, he just made, he just took the 25 yards and went on his day or 15, mm -hmm. whatever it was. Yep. Um, a lot of guys get hurried, get, get anxious with their arm talent. He just feathered it out there. I mean, yeah. What, what do you do if you're a DD? What do you think when you see that a guy's taking stuff off of a 25 yard route? I mean, he took. I mean, he truly did, right? I yeah. Mean, what do you? You're no, looking at that, and what are you thinking? No, because he, because I'm with you. He, he only shows it off when he needs to. It's weird. I remember the throw specifically as a DB that haunts me. It's the throw in Alabama game. You guys remember it? The 21 yard out. Yeah, worthy. Yeah. Opposite, he's on the opposite hash, though, so the far sideline. And I'm thinking to myself, what as a DB, I, I in my head, I'm coached. You don't have to defend that throw. You know, <laughs> unless you're playing against elite arm talent, you don't have to defend that throw. Most quarterbacks can't even and college don't make that throw. That's a pick six, baby, all day, every day. And he puts that ball on the money. Coverage wasn't terrible, by the way. It was Alabama, by the way. And to me, that's the throw that. I'm with you, Jared. I see him like, I don't know how many quarterbacks can make that throw. And I'll pose the question to you, Jared, that I pose to Bobby. 
because I was thinking, thinking about it to myself earlier. How many quarterbacks in college football right now with the, I don't know, 10 quarters of football you've seen from Quinn Ewers, how many quarterbacks right now, regardless of their status and regardless of their classification, would you take over Quinn Ewers right now after the 10 quarters of football you've seen? Stroud's the only one. Stroud's what, about the only Bryce, one. what about Bryce Young? I don't know. You know, as far as, yeah, Bryce is a really good player, right? And, and I'm, maybe I'm thinking more NFL-wise. Yeah, no, I, so, yeah, I agree with it. I think Stroud's the guy. I mean, for me, and I think Quinn is that talented of a player. And, and I mean, just just think about it, that he has played nine, eight quarters. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, whatever it is. And if you're a Texas fan following this or you're on Inside Texas or whatever, you actually feel hope right now. You felt it in the first quarter of the Bama game. And now after today, you're like, okay. And by the way, I, I want Rod's opinion on this. And this is not a knock on Chris Sims. Or Colt McCoy, who is a great college quarterback and has been a great backup in the NFL for a decade plus now. Mm -hmm. I think Quinn's natural ability to throw the football is the best I've seen in the Texas uniform. That's where I'm at with him. That doesn't mean he's going to go down as the best, right? There's a lot of things. I'm talking as a passer. I think he's yeah. the most talented guy yeah. I've seen wear a Texas uniform. Now. Yeah, because and, and he's still got a lot of work to do, but I think that's how talented the kid is. It's, and, it's and, I saw him at South Lake. And as you know, quarterback, there's a lot that, that's thrown into that, right? That mix of being a quarterback. There's the intangibles, the immeasurables, the leadership, uh, you know, the film study, all that stuff. So you're just talking about natural arm talent just as a passer. Yes. I am with it. Trust me, Chris Sims was up there, but Chris Sims didn't have the touch and didn't have the right. kind of uh, the way to throw, the anticipatory ability of a Quinn Ewers. He did. Quick now, Sam. If you just ask him the velocity rises, velo, he could break. He, he could separate your shoulder for you. He could break <laughs> yeah. a couple of fingers for you. All right, yeah. that's no doubt about that. And maybe him and Quinn are probably on par with that. But you're talking about the overall arm talent. I'm with you. I was told by a friend of mine, you know, uh, Johnny Rogers. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know, but his uh, brother coaches for the Arizona Cardinals, and he's got a deep kind of football uh, uh, legacy, if you will. And he said, "Man, when Quinn Ewers gets on campus." He'll be the greatest arm talent that Texas football has ever had on campus. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be the best quarterback. That's right. a that's exactly. that's discussion. But in terms of arm talent, it won't even be close. And that's basically totally. what you're saying, Jerry. To 100% agree. And look, yeah. you know the two best throws he made today? <laughs> one, the one the Bijan Robinson, obviously, on the Ooh. third down. But then the other one was the one where Worthy got interfered with, where he had to step up in the pocket. And the anticipation of that throw is what we're talking about. Look, he, what makes him such a good deep ball thrower is he sees it early. Bobby said it then that night we were sitting there at that Tuesday night practice. Bobby looked at me and said he sees it early. That's what makes great deep ball throwers. It's, yep. not, the arm, it's not the arm talent. It's that you're seeing it. And you're, you're, it's like you're a point guard, and this play is slowly developing in front of you. And you know when to release the football and where to put the football. And that doesn't mean every throw is perfect. They're not. They're difficult throws. But he does it exceptionally well because he sees it early. And I think the game moves slow for him. Whether And a lot of people think he's nonchalant. I don't think he's nonchalant. I think he's just a laid-back type of guy. But I think the game moves slow for him. I talked to somebody after the Alabama game. And he said the game was moving extremely slow for him. And the way Alabama was playing them, he thought he was going to throw for 400 yards in that game. <laughs> That's how confident he was in what he was seeing. And when you get a quarterback that level of talent, 
and the game moves slow and you have that belief in what you're seeing, watch out. Yeah, that Jerry, that's why I told Bobby in 10 minutes into the show, what I say to you, Bobby, I'd bliss him. I blitzed the hell out of him. Yes, like, I would I'm too. not going to let him sit back there. When he sits back there, I'm going to get eaten alive as a DC. Right. I'm coming after that guy. He's going to make a decision quick. His quick decision is probably going to be the right one because he's really good, but he's going to make a quick decision. He ain't sitting back there. No way. By the way, I want to ask Rod something because I'm late getting in here, not to cut you off, Bobby. That's okay. Rod, take me back to 1998, 99. Yeah. If you were a recruit and you watch that game today, what would your thoughts have been? Because that's the big question on Inside Texas mm -hmm. right now is all the young kids that were in the stands, right? And I think it goes beyond that. It's the 12 and 13-year-old kids. That age influence, right? That's probably oh, yeah. when you love Florida State, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Grew up watching Florida State. Jerome Sapp grew up watching Notre Dame, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but this it's been a while since Texas has had the ability to influence young prospects. And I think this is the first – they've had two games this year. Even though they lost to Alabama, it was considered a win in the recruiting world. Then they went and kind of laid an egg of sorts in, in Lubbock. Oh, but no, they didn't – not of sorts. It was <laughs> – Okay, I'm being nice. <laughs> I'm being positive, okay? A very rotten one. A very rotten positive. Yeah. But then today, again, you, this, these are games Alabama and Oklahoma where, where Sarkeesian and, and his staff and this program can start to influence – uh, young recruits and obviously getting Arch Manning to buy in yep. was huge. And that's what we always said. Now you have to deliver on the field because you have momentum. Now it's up to you to go run with momentum yep. and Clark needed a signature win. This is certainly a signature win. Um, and it sets up the rest of the year for them. And look, I've said all along, I know some people, Texas fans like, Oh, 10 and two, nine and three. I've always said eight and four is my number. If you show a three game improvement from year one to year two, and you have an exciting offense and your best players look like stars and you start to develop guys that are going to be drafted, you're off and running. So now the question is, if you go beat Iowa state next week and you're sitting at five and two, you go get three more of those wins and you eight and four in the regular season and you're ranked about 15 in the country and the perception of Texas football is totally changed. Yeah. No, and I agree with you, too. I, it, it, It's almost, you know, Mac did it differently, right? And I was a young guy, I remember, thinking when, when, when Texas became the IT program, and it was Ricky Williams, right? He's the rebel with a cause, all right? Ricky and Dreads and everything. Ricky's really cool. Then you get the Heisman, and then you get Chris Sims, right? The number one recruit who in the country at quarterback. Also has got a legacy Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback as a dad. And then you get Corey Redden. So you get the number one offensive recruit, number one defense recruit in the same class, 99. And that's when everything steamrolls. So it's different events for Sark. I think that Arch Manning recruit was big, right? You basically sold your vision for Texas football to the, man, to the right. first family of football, the Mannings. There is there is no way to quantify that. I think we all agree. Like I don't know how. There's, I still don't know what the value of that actually is. And then now coming off of that, you have a huge win, which makes up for the uh, uh, you know the collapse last season uh, in in the Texas OU game. But it's one of the obviously one of the biggest wins probably uh, that Texas has ever had in the Texas OU game without question. And I'm with you. I think for young people watching it, they're waiting to see. Um, if the vision that, that Sark has had, if it actually comes to fruition. And to me, right. that means making it to the Big 12 title game. I think if they make it to the Big 12 title game, there's no stopping Texas. I really do. I think that, that you can, because then we, it would all be validated that, yes, everything is on track. Because what I've remarked about, Jerry, is the talent development 
right? The one big pitch again, the, the negative recruiting pitch against Texas is they don't develop talent. Why are you going to go there? You're right. going to go there as a great player and you're going to end up wasted. They're going to, you're going to be underdeveloped. You're going to go into the NFL as a late round pick or undrafted, right? This is the biggest recruiting pitch against Texas. And now you're talking about, you know, guys like B. John Robinson and on offense and Kel- Kelvin Banks is going to be that conversation. You're talking about Quinn Ewers in that conversation. Even defensively, I said this to Bobby, these interior defensive linemen are getting NFL scouting love now. No these question. Guys, Right, you got a couple of these guys that may end up getting drafted. When last year we thought all of these guys were end up being a kind of a waste of space <laughs> as D linemen, but that is not the case. So no. I, I, I'm with you, Bobby. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, uh, I think that now, and I, I guess I told Bobby this too, Jerry, that if you can, if you can crystallize the vision, which is the talent development, and also yes, we are winning games. I think you could get on a Mac Brown type steamroll differently, but a Mac Brown type steamroll in recruit. I'll tell you a position that we rarely talk about in recruiting, and I'm not, and I'm not going to say. And there's, you were just, this is what I was hitting on. If you're a tight end watching Texas, <laughs> how do you not want to go to Texas and play for Sark? Exactly. As a tight end, I mean, are you kidding me? Well, he Sanders is like a, he's like one B, one C. We've talked about this. He's not a tight end. He's like a one A B C option in this yep. offense. And Gunnar Helms getting targets. I mean, how do if you're a tight end, how do you not want to go? I mean, look, Deuce Robinson. We'll see what happens. Right? He's at Alabama today. He's five star tight end rod in this class. But the, a kid like they've just got started contacting a Camorian Pimpton, who's just got offered by LSU and people. It, one thing for, for Sarkeesian recruiting tight ends is he can say it, like you said, but now that vision is a reality. He can put it on this tape out there exactly. and say, here, here's Jatavion Sanders getting seven targets a game, and look at how I'm using him. He's split out wide. He, we use him within formations all over the place. He's improved as a blocker or developing. So I, I, watch out for Texas tight end recruiting moving forward. That, that's going to get scary, I think. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about recruiting, and I think that that – I want to bring this up. I was at a, a Texas game where Texas got blown out and uh, walking uh, a Texas OU game where Texas got blown out and walking to the, to the tram back to my car uh, was another young player that was at that same game. And his name was Adrian Peterson. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Adrian man. Peterson decided to go somewhere else that day. Yeah. Yeah. If he hadn't already, uh, it matters. Um, and uh, it's like I said, uh, this this is a game uh, that has implications beyond uh, just what happens uh, between the two programs. I mean, the teams that recruit against each other in the state of Texas primarily for the big name players. I'm not saying Pat Mahomes doesn't right. go to Texas Tech. Got, that happens, right? Or or somebody doesn't go to TCU. Or, but it's it's Texas, it's A and M, and it's OU. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of LSU, right? Blasted today, by the way, at home. Yeah, yeah, bad, bad loss for them. But Tennessee may be really good. So, so the 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 issue there is it's it has that implication that matters not just this year, but it'll matter next year. Yep. It val- validates Sark somewhat as a coach. I want to ask y'all both this now because Rob, uh, Rod, you said you would line up and blitz the heck out of. Uh, uh, Ewers next week or from here I, on. I blitz him a lot. Picking him, pick him picking up his picking his spots is just not going to work for you. Yeah, because Sark's going to scheme somebody open. Exactly. That being the case, right. Iowa State loves that three drop eight defense. 
They do. And they, they come to town next week. Yep. Three high safety. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, and John Heacock is one of my favorite defensive minds in college football, guys. And we know that he's the, he popularized the three high safety look, which has given Sark issues. His, his offense, it doesn't, it's not really an offense that has been prolific and productive versus three high safety looks. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But I do think that John Heacock will have a good defensive scheme ready for Texas. And he'll have some pressure packages. It may not be just um, a blitz per se. It may be a you know a simulated uh, pressure, which it looks like a blitz, but it's actually not. It may be him sending different players from different levels, but it's not actually a five to six man pressure. But it's just four guys, but from different levels, try to confuse and discombobulate. Uh, Quinn Ewers. This is going to be a great test for Quinn Ewers because nobody confuses the pre-snap reads of a quarterback as good as John Heacock does with his three high safety looks. Um, speaking with Rod Babers, uh, former Longhorn, Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, uh, a reporter and analyst for uh, our site there on On3 Sports. This is the Inside Texas and On Texas Football postgame show. Uh, Longhorns win 49 to nothing tonight or this afternoon. An absolute obliteration of uh, the Sooners, unlike any in our lifetime. <laughs> let's, just put, <laughs> let's just put it that way. 118 games, largest Texas win in, in uh, game history. Uh, they weren't in it from the second quarter on. Uh, you can say what you want. They tried to run it and got down maybe once or twice in, in the Texas side. Only two first downs in the entire second half. They were three and out like five consecutive times. A couple interceptions, you know, sandwiched in between those. It was just absolute domination from the Longhorns from start to finish. Uh, the return of Quinn Ewers, uh, I, I'm going to ask you guys now, your player of the game, I'm going Quinn Ewers. I, I'm I'm open to other other opinions, but I Ewers literally uh, was a difference maker for this Texas offense, as good as Hudson Card played last week. Quinn Ewers opened up the offense even more. Yeah, I'll jump in there. Uh, offensive player of the game, absolutely Quinn Ewers. Um, and by the way, I think that I think the kryptonite against uh, Iowa State next week is going to be the tight ends. Mm. I really do. There, so that three high safety look when 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 Sark was running the four wides for Alabama, right? And everything's down the field. It's deep. It's intermediate. It's shots, right? That's what he wants. That kryptonite's going to be the tight ends next week. That's my opinion. Now, I could be totally wrong because I thought Oklahoma would take Sanders out somehow today. Just couldn't do it. Uh, my defensive player of the game, I, I, I'll say this. I, I got to go with Coburn slightly over Sweat. I, I, and the reason I'm going with Coburn is I'm seeing a guy ascend right now on the field. Yeah, I'm seeing a guy – that it's taken four years for people to say, was this guy really a top 50 prospect in the country? Now you're starting to see it. I mean, this is the first time you're seeing Coburn. And like I said, he's even got a first round grade. I don't know if I buy that. Right. But just that he's being mentioned now, credit to Bo Davis for the development of these defensive line guys from last year, to this year, Broton comes in and is a disruptor. Miller had, obviously, uh, Byron Murphy had a sack today. I still think you're seeing signs from Alfred Collins. If Alfred Collins ever starts oh, playing, man. you level, watch out. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing all these guys, and they're all having an impact on in the game, um, and you're seeing them develop. So, Coburn is my defensive guy, slightly over sweat. Both guys are going to be drafted. 
Rod, what do you go oh, with? Oh man, dude, that's that's good stuff, Jerry. I, I love that. I'm with you. I, I know I'm gonna cop out here. I copped <laughs> out a little bit last one, I'm copping out again. A a goose egg on Oklahoma who had who's gone what 167 games straight. Uh, without scoring, uh, sorry, with scoring an offensive touchdown, and now Texas holds them to a goose egg. Hey, the whole defense, man, that's defensive player of the game, man. Whole damn D. Because the, for, I'm serious, man. To put a goose egg on the board, it takes everybody. It is a true team effort. Because all it takes is one lapse, one guy having a bad play, which is human for everybody, and then they can end up scoring. You're talking about crystallized, extreme focus for these guys for four quarters in the Texas OU game. That's my defensive player of the game. I'm giving it to the whole crew. The whole crew, baby. Worthy. I know. They're worthy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm copping out there, but that's the whole, they all deserve it, man. That's, that was a great effort overall. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, – I think, I think the defense is a fair call. I, I'm, not, I'm not against that. I just know that – I've watched a lot of Texas OU games. That's the last. That's the first time I think I was comfortable at the end of the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about you? What about you, Rod? What's your thing? No, no, no. What, Bobby? I'll say, let's say this. Let's let's talk about this legitimately, guys. Jerry, you'll appreciate this too. When was the last time Texas fans were this confident going into a Texas OU game? Uh, I don't you remember. Oh five, right? It was 05, VY, hundred percent. Exactly. So Longhorn fans were confident, man, going into this game. They all figured, no, no, no. This, they, they all had a belief that Texas was actually better than Oklahoma because of a lot of issues Oklahoma was going through, of course, namely quarterback. But also, there is belief in the vision that Sark is selling. And I'm agree with you, Jerry. I, I told it to Bobby earlier. I think it's largely because they love this offense. How That's long it. has it been since Texas fans saw an offense they actually liked? They didn't like Tom Herman's offense. They didn't like Charlie Strong, whatever the hell, Sean Watson. They Sterling <laughs> Gilbert's offense was better, but they didn't like that really at all. And even Greg Davis' offense, they complained about it most of the time until Colt McCoy or Vince Young was running it. This, they love the, this aesthetic appeal. We are fantasy football era. Even Nick Saban said, I can't get the best coach, the best players in the world to want to play defense. We no. love offense. And when something offensively looks good, we like it. Even if the coach necessarily isn't like a great coach yet, it was Sark is not, but he's a great offensive mind. I, yeah, I, I just I, see people open. I mean, <laughs> as, I mean, look, when Jordan Whittington, when, when Quinn Ewers literally can not throw a, a heater on a 20-yard pass, he's open. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Jatavia Sanders routinely, no matter how you, you they've schemed him or schemed him up, he's been open every single week. Um, and I'm not talking about his two touchdown passes, yeah. which I, I thought were well, well thrown. I'm talking about the short stuff. Like almost a tight end screen, or I, people are getting open with the ball in their hand, or with without the ball, but when it gets there, they're still got yards after catch. Yep, that's impressive as hell to to a person watching a Texas offense that was tried to play in a phone booth with Tom Herman and didn't know what it was. To your point, uh, with uh, with Charlie Strong, so I, I think they're out of the arcade. I want to say this. Think about how kids grow up now. They grow up in offensive world. Steph Curry, 125 to 120 NBA games, right? Aaron Judge, 62 homers. Uh, all you see is exit velocity, right, yep. is what you're told now. Football, the game, the rule changes. 
to and protect quarterbacks as they should. It's, it sucks for Rod being a corner because his job's much more. Yeah, he's probably glad he's not playing now. It's a hard <laughs> deal to be a corner nowadays, but everything's offensive. And and I bet Rod's first memory of, of football was scoring a touchdown or wanting to score it a was. touchdown. Yeah, it was. No doubt. And, and so and Rod, so when I go talk to these kids, what do they talk about? It, like the defensive lineman Jordan Hall that Texas is trying to get to visit out in Jacksonville. What's your first memory of football? I said, well, the first touchdown I scored as a running back. These guys play AAU basketball, and they want to score the basketball. They want to score touchdowns. Every power forward wants to be a small forward, right? And yep. so it's it's the fan base, and it's the prospects of the line the same. If you have an exciting brand of offense, even the defensive players are drawn to that because it's fun. Yep. It's exciting. And here's the other thing I'll throw in, why this is so important for Texas football to – and what the offense you're starting to see come together is NIL. Oh, yeah, no doubt. With players. Yep. Because you know what? You score a lot of touchdowns, you have a lot of highlight plays, and you make more money Straight at the end of the day. If you yep. know what you're doing on social media, you make more money. So all, all offensive style is even bigger now than it was two years ago. Great point. Money. All right, I've got, I've got to say this real quick. So, um, Rod, you are my guy. Um, and you mentioned about Rod playing corner. I texted with Dwayne Aquina this week. Oh, uh, that's my dog. Dwayne's a former defensive back coach, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, coached Rod at Texas. Oh. I got to I got to write this. Uh, I said I'm doing it. He asked me how I was doing, and we were just chatting. I said I'm doing a post game show these days with Rod Babers. <laughs> he wrote me back. Good, that's great. If I had to play press man all game long. Chris McAllister and Rod B would be my two corners. Hey, no doubt. He's always said that. Tell him I said what's that. up. That's my dog. He's I always maintained me. that. Hey, I love me some Coach Aquina, man. Trust me, I, I would not be able to provide the analysis that I do today without Coach Aquina. He taught me how to see the game differently, and that's why I, I love the game the way I do now because of Coach Aquina, man. I love that guy. He's a he's like a father to me. Love that dude. Love me some Jerry Hamilton, too. Y'all don't know the story, but I was discovered by Jerry Hamilton. I was a nobody. I was on nobody's list, nobody, nobody's recruiting rankings or anything. So Jerry Hamilton said, hey, man, this guy Rod Babers makes me pretty damn good. He's got some good feet on him. And boom, I started rising the rankings. So I, I owe my man Jerry Hamilton, too, no question. Hey, I, I want to say this real quick. I'm still upset that Bobby picked OU to win. So here, here's the reality of this. I want everybody to understand this because I got – I've been getting ripped. I did it on purpose. Like, I, I was so wrong on Texas-Alabama, and I was wrong on Texas-West Virginia, and I was wrong on Texas-Texas-Tech. All, wow. all of them. I was like, okay, I, I think Texas is going to win this game. But I'm gonna go for OU so I can just keep being wrong. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's like I said. It's I, I wrote it in the article. I said it's like uh, Michael Scott from The Office. I'm not I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. A little stitious. <laughs> this was the time to be that. Now you can return, return to normal next week. Because look, if anybody picks Iowa State next week, we're, we're off. Anybody, everybody's off the show except for me. I can. I, I get an out. I I, I I don't play that game. I know people. Uh, I know people see it the other way, but I'm. You know, I, I definitely had my favorite pair of socks when I was a football player and basketball player. 
Don't, don't tell me. It. I washed them, but they were my favorite pair of socks. Hey, dude, keep doing it, Bobby. Hey, <laughs> hey, we all about the team, man. We all about them Ws. We don't give a damn how they come. We'll take the superstition, the mojo. Let's get it going, baby. L'Oreal, dressing Sark, whatever it takes. Let's get the Ws. <laughs> uh, Rod, I, I want to. We're, we're we're rolling up here on about an hour and twenty minutes here, and I, I know everybody's got to get going and stuff. But this has been a, a great segment. It's a great win. Uh, it helps the energy on this show. It helps the energy of the fan base. Yep. I mean, Texas is sitting at four and two right now with a chance. They, they host Iowa State next weekend. Five and two is a legitimate possibility for this team. Yep. Um, what are some of the things you think they need to do, Rod, between this week and next week to get ready for Iowa State to come to town? Oh, that is good. Um, okay. I'll say going up against Iowa State, uh, it's going to be really important that they established a rhythm with the running game, man, because Iowa State's really good against the run. You guys know with the three high safety looks, they can really confuse, especially the RPO game, confuse those pre-snap reads. They can uh, sling those run fits, throw extra guys into the box uh, at the last minute and really uh, deter the Texas running game from being able to get a rhythm. So that's, I think, going to be really important because they, they're one-dimensional against Iowa State. That's exactly what John Haycock wants. And if he gets a one-dimensional Quinn Ewers, not saying Quinn Ewers can't make, throw them bombs and make those throws, uh, but it'll be a challenge for him, man. I think John Haycock's one of the best defense minds. And this is the best defense in the Big 12, by the way. It's the best defense in the conference. So if you can if you can actually make some plays and really get some consistent drives against this defense, this will show that that Texas offense is indeed the real deal. And it's a test for Sark. The three high safety look yes, is always is. giving them problems going back to Arkansas, uh, going back to Oklahoma State last year. They ran a lot of that too. Um, hell, I mean, I think that's just something that Sark schematically has had trouble trying to solve. Jerry, what are, you, what are your thoughts heading into ISU? Yeah, I think uh, wide receivers and running running game again early is yes. I totally agree. But I think in the passing game, it's going to be running backs and and, and tight ends. They're going to be huge in, in the passing game against Iowa State. And, and look, I mean, Sark's going to scheme guys open. We know that. But here's what I like today was Oklahoma, I thought they played a little zone early, right, in this game, mm-hmm. especially early, right? And I thought that Quinn adjusted quickly after the first drive. And – I think his learning curve is pretty going pretty well right now. Um, that doesn't mean he won't throw an interception, but I think you're going to see Texas attack tight ends, running backs, keep Quinn comfortable. Um, but I agree with Rod. They have to establish the run early. I'll tell you this, what's interesting against this defense, and Bijan's obviously the best running back. In the, he's got the best feet of any running back in the country. Let's say that. This might be more of a Roshan Johnson game early, you know, in okay. some. It's really getting that power. And putting in, in, in with the toughness and the mentality and the attitude um, of getting him with those pads going downhill hmm. and kind of imposing his will early in this game a little bit like because that. he he had he almost had his Chris Obanaya run in this game today right in the third quarter yeah you know when he bounced it out to the right side and and drug a couple of guys and. I, I, he's just such a great leader, and he's so tough, and he does so much for the program. This might be one of those games you see him uh, get a little more action early and maybe have more of an impact running the ball early in the game. Yeah, I I, I agree with all of that. Uh, I, I Oklahoma fans saying they're just not good right now because of the QB. That's part of it uh, for you guys. Uh, the defense is a, is a – I don't want to say it's a hot mess because I, they didn't really – there were no – broken plays for OU really today. I didn't see any like 
just, wow, what was that guy doing? Kind of things that we saw last week against TCU. Um, but uh, long story short, uh, Texas uh, beats Oklahoma 49 to nothing. And it is just one of those games that uh, will go down in, in uh, Texas lore. 2022, where were you when Texas beat, <laughs> beat OU 49 to nothing? Wow. Uh, just unbelievable. Uh, last uh, final thoughts or parting thoughts uh, for you, Jerry, and then I want to ask you too, Rod. Yeah, so here's my parting thought. The last few years of this series in Oklahoma, Texas, it's been quarterbacks from the state of Texas, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, who have been the guys that have walked away with a legacy. Hmm. Quinn Ewers started his legacy today. We'll see how the story unfolds. But I said before the game Friday, Bobby, somebody, one quarterback, whether somebody from Oklahoma that's never started a game. This was this was some quarterback's first Texas OU game today. And Quinn, the winner, if he played well, was going to have a chance to have a legacy. Quinn Ewers now has a chance to have a legacy at the University of Texas. We'll see where it goes. Rod? I like that. Um, I'll go with, you know, the challenge for a team in football is to get better every week. The regression is natural, especially after you have a, a huge high, like you are coming off. This will be the highest of highs they've had since that that moral victory over uh, <laughs> against Alabama, right? So how do they handle success? That's always a big part of it, too, the psychology. It's the leadership. And I love that they had a team meeting after the Tech, the tech game because I think the team meeting was about, guys, we were better than Tech and we regressed. We were better than that team. We lost to a team we were better than. How did we lose to a team that we are better than? And then you saw the West Virginia performance, and then we saw them playing to a standard, not to their competition, because, yes, Oklahoma is wounded, but not to their competition, but playing to a standard versus Oklahoma. So I think, the for me, the question is going to be, do you get better next week versus Iowa State? Do I, do I see regression? Because if I see regression, then that means this is still a team that, yes, they have a huge upside, yes, but football is about being consistent week to week and getting better. And that's what I'm looking for next week. So that obviously has a huge standard to live up to. Uh, but this is a team that can't regress next week versus Iowa State. We see an inconsistent product. And all that means is, yes, they've improved the upside, but still the, you know, the basement, if you will, of this team is still really, really low. I want to see a baseline of performance every week that I can expect. And the problem is, Every Longhorn fan believes that Texas can lose to anybody any week because you lost to Tech. <laughs> so you believe anybody can. Now, with Quinn Ewers at the helm, it's a different discussion because I believe they're a different team with Quinn Ewers. But still, even with Hudson Card, he wasn't the reason they lost versus Tech. And I think that was part of the meeting. It wasn't him. It wasn't the quarterback position. That was a team loss for different reasons. So no regression, only getting better week to week. Yeah, I've got a parting thought. I, I agree with everything you just said, Rod and Jerry. I, I, both of you guys, astute observers of, of uh, Texas football and football in general. Um, mine's a little different. Uh, Tommy Yarish came on and talked about the fans uh, and the players in the crowd chanting, uh, the, the fans chanting Sark after the game. This is a, you know, and Rod, I feel like it may not have been the premier signature win, but it was a significant win that can move this guy forward as the head coach at Texas. To Jerry's point, it hadn't been – he hadn't won a big game yet. He hadn't, he hadn't truly carried that home. Now he has. 
And now they're sitting at four and two and the world's in front of them. I mean, I'm not saying that they're uh, sitting there uh, with the eyes on the big 12 championship and they're definitely going to win it to Jerry's point. They're eight and four, seven and five is very, very possible. Other, other things are possible too now with Quinn Ewers at the helm. Um, but to, to Rod's point, you got to be consistent. My thing is, is that, is this the game that gets Steve Sarkeesian over the hump at Texas to start that starts allowing him to continue to bring in this talent, to finish out this recruiting class, to finish out what is going to happen in the portal in the next two to three months where you know you have to get better at certain spots to really make next year a year where you're going into it with Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy and some receivers that can really go. You know, I, I'm I'm in that I'm in that scenario right now uh, where I'm I'm concerned uh, about I'm not concerned I'm bullish mm-hmm. on that because of what we saw today Texas came out uh, and took care of business forty nine to nothing uh, absolute blowout of the Sooners um, Rod Babers uh, Jerry Hamilton thank y'all for joining us this is the Inside Texas post game show of on Texas football. Uh, each and every week we're here. Rod, you'll be back with us next week. Hopefully yes, Jer- Jerry can can join as well. Uh, we've got uh, tomorrow we'll have rapid reactions with Justin Wells, lunch with the coach with Brian Irwin on Monday, recruiting breakdown and chats on Tuesdays. Uh, we've got a lot of coverage here for you. Also, uh, Eric Nalin, the publisher of Inside Texas, uh, created a special for people uh, that are new subscribers to Inside Texas. It's called the Blowout Special. <laughs> <laughs> One dollar for four months for new subscribers only uh, to InsideTexas.com. Go over there. We've got plenty of uh, uh, news and notes going on. Joe Cook, our beat writer, uh, is actually in the locker room or was in the locker room and then at the press conference following the game today as well. All right. For Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football. Thanks for watching, guys.